All right, green team, today you are going to love getting to know Danielle Sawat, the owner of Shelf Life Books in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. She is a bookshelf of knowledge. Yes, I had to say that. On all the yes people of our Northeast Ohio community, we go deep into the value of small business as well as the advantages of exclusively purchasing secondhand items. She gives us insight on how small businesses in particular can support nonprofit organizations. Danielle has so much to offer to our listeners today who are drawn to community childhood literacy efforts, book collecting, finding special topic texts. And of course, she leaves us with a really solid book recommendation that I couldn't even leave the interview without jumping over and purchasing a a book that she recommends. So getting it secondhand, by the way, too, which was great. So please enjoy our interview today with Danielle. Hi, I'm Jess Taylor. And I'm Natalie Ringeis. And we love the green life. Welcome to our podcast. We are both teachers, mamas, nature lovers, and passionate about changing the world we live in and helping to save the planet by inspiring others. Join us as we discuss practical ways to live a more sustainable, healthy, and green life for you, your family, and even your fur babies. Love the Green Life is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that promotes cruelty-free, chemical-free, and compassionate living. You can learn more about us and what we do at lovethegreenlife.org and on Facebook and Instagram at lovethegreenlife.org. Are you ready to take the next step in your green journey? Well, you are in luck because we have officially relaunched our plant power program and we are so ready to work with you whether you are somebody who wants to cut out harmful chemicals from your food and need help understanding ingredients and labels or you're just wanting help in reaching your goals breaking some habits and even if you are already on an alternative diet like being a vegan or gluten-free, dairy-free, any of those things, and you just need some help with meal planning and navigating some social aspects. This program is for everyone. It's a 13-week lifestyle program. It is not a weight loss program or a nutrition course. It's not designed to turn you into a vegan. It is a program designed to help you live a better, healthier, and greener life and eat cleaner with some more veggies in it. We do this in a way that makes sense for busy families and to fit into your daily life to help you succeed at it. We have added some great features to our program. We're so excited about this relaunch. You will get all 13 modules with weekly doable action steps, community support, bi-weekly Q&A office hours where you get to ask us any questions you have and you can get the help and support that you need on what you specifically have going on in your life. You will also get two one-on-one calls with us so we can support you with your specific goals. In Plant Power, you will be meal planning like a pro. You'll be setting goals and changing habits, shopping smarter, learning about healthy swaps, and getting some great recipes for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks too. We are so excited to say that Plant Power is now up and accepting new members. It truly is an honor to be able to go on this journey with you. To learn more about Plant Power, apply and sign up, head to lovethegreenlife.org slash plantpower for all the details. And make sure if you are not already on our email list to head to lovethegreenlife.org and get on our email list. This way you will have up-to-date information as we roll out more 
and you'll even get a plant-based journey guide just for signing up for our email list. We are so looking forward to working with you and helping you truly love the green life. Hi, green team. Welcome back. Today, we are talking with Danielle Sawat, the owner of Shelf Life Books in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. I hear she is a bit of a sustainability maven. So I can't wait to talk to her and hear about her mission and her bookstore, because who doesn't love, first of all, I'm still a book person. I love books. Jess, hi. Yes. (laughs) do you love are you a book person are you like an e-reader I am totally a A book person well I'm still like a pen and paper person I know this is a podcast but like right here's my planner and all my to-do list I am a huge paper person which I know is not what our mission is (laughs) sustainability but I do buy recycled paper and I recycle all my paper, but I love books. I love holding them. I love reading them. I have a really hard time reading them actually like on a computer. Ah, mine, it depends on the purpose. If I'm really trying to dive into something and like learn, or it's, it's not just like something I want to read for fun. I want the book. I want post-its. I want bookmarks. If I really like you, I'm going to get your book and the audio because I'm like a whole experience person. I want to listen to it later and (laughs) I want to hang out with the book so I can do both. I just bought my first vintage book a few weeks ago and it's a old school book, a school like Basil from like the 1900s out of Cincinnati. I think it was like a printer company. And it has opened up this planet of like having cool old books for decorations (laughs) or just decor. So that's one of the wonderful reasons why I think talking to Danielle is going to be amazing. She's going to talk about her bookstore and she's going to talk about what has brought her into this joy of reading and helping people find books and also some really neat things she does for the community and her community outreach. So I can't wait for you all to hear about her. Please welcome Danielle Sawat. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're really excited to have you here and to talk with you about your business and learn more about you. So we'll just jump on in. So what inspired you to start your business? It was mostly an accident, to be totally honest. I purchased an estate sale, an estate library specifically for my birthday in 2020. And it had, the ad originally said that it was upward of like 3,000 books. I'm actually really fortunate that it didn't have that many because that's a lot. And it what, what we ended up bringing home was around 1,300 books. And that was a lot. So we ran out of space in the house pretty quickly. And I would say I kept a lot of the books that were special interests to me or, you know, my authors or my genres, but the person that this came from had a lot of author runs books that I don't read like Clive Cussler and David Bobashi and books that I was never going to get into, but still had, they were all in amazing condition. So they really needed to be rehomed. So I ran an ad on Facebook marketplace for a dollar a book just to try and move them. I started doing meetups like Whole Foods parking lot and like Goodyear Park. And eventually people started bringing me books as I was meeting me, like doing trades. And so I was going home with more books and I was trying to just get the books out of my house. (laughs) It's hard to say no to, especially because people were really excited. It was kind of right in the middle of COVID. People were really excited about the accessibility, difficult to get into libraries. They weren't necessarily opening back up again. A lot of libraries weren't taking donations and they weren't having sales. So there was a big in 
trust in inexpensive books and having that sort of exchange. So when people were started to bring me books, it was difficult to say like, I don't want to take any more books. I just want to get rid of them. So I kept adding them onto a list and I started sending them out weekly. And then I just really ran out of space in the house. So I rented a, essentially it is a basement room in a office building in downtown Chicago Falls and supposed to be storage. That's where all these books that people were giving me were going to go. And that seemed like a lot of work to keep typing, typing out these like nine page Excel spreadsheets. We just sort of decided to like remove the middleman <laughs> and just open to the public. So I could just put books on the shelves and then let people come and browse instead of emailing out these lists and scheduling times for people to come into that space. Uh, so it just became a bookstore, really kind of cosmic, like the way everything sort of came together. Like, you know, when you're doing something and it just sort of clicks, like this is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And you're really supposed to be doing it when it's on plan. It's just sort of like almost cliche, like the universe just takes care of it, but really like the universe just sort of took care of it and it's still taking care of it. And then the people that come in now are kind of taking care of it as well. So it's just become this unexpected, accidental, really very cool thing. I would say that's like the best birthday present ever. Yeah. I was waking up at 3 a.m. a few nights before going back and forth on whether or not I was going to haul all of these books back from Richfield. I mean, I was like sweating in the middle of the night. Like, these are, I can't do this. This is so irresponsible. This is going to, we don't have space in the house for this. And I just kept going back and forth. And finally, it just, just do it just, you know, just, just sort of go ahead. And, and it did become like this big thing, even though at the time I was sort of like, this is the worst decision I could possibly make. With buying it's, it's really unique. It's a really unique birthday request. Yeah. I'm still stuck on that. That's for your birthday. You wanted yeah. an, an estate yeah. of books. I can yeah. see just doing this with, you know, glass. Oh I know. I was just going to say that this <laughs> Reminds me so much of myself because I collect vintage, I call it vintage treasures, <laughs> but vintage de- home decor. You can probably see some of it if you're not, well, not on the podcast, but Daniel, yeah. you can see some of it. My house is decorated for, in like the 1960s and 70s. And I started buying it just because we were decorating our house. And then we started selling it as a way to help fund our nonprofit. And I currently have like 250 items in my basement that need to get posted and sold. And so everything you're saying, like, like I have spreadsheets of all the inventory, like everything you were just saying, I was like, Oh my gosh. And 250 (laughs) items feels like so much to me right now. Like even last night I was up till like one. Yeah, it is. It's, it's my husband. He is a huge shopper. It's his hobby. He loves doing it. He loves going and thrifting and finding things. And then he brings it home and I feel like I just got caught up. And then he's like, look how these things I found. I'm like, (laughs) Then he keeps going. That's it. I'm done. I'm stopping. Not going again. The next day I get a text. He's like, I'm on my way home from work, but I'm just going to stop real quick. (laughs) (laughs) He can't, he can't stop, but I love it. That was just funny as you were talking about that. Like, I can't imagine that amount of books. Cause I'm just thinking about my basement full of glassware and like 1960s kitchen items. (laughs) that's like taking over I feel like (laughs) yeah and it it's sort of it breathes and swells right because you you get it all organized and then you go Mm -hmm. ah 
okay, this is what I've been trying to do so long. And and then your husband comes in and he brings a bag of goodies and you're like, yep. wait, no, no, no. Everything is exactly right. This happens to me <laughs> with like organizing my back stock. Yeah. I just give up. There's just, my storage room is just books and bags and boxes. I know what the bags are, even though I can't see the content inside. It's just a mess. Every time I get it set up, I'll get a phone call. Hey, do you want to clean out an estate? Do you want to, I have 200 books at my house and I don't, I'm definitely not in a position to say no because mm-hmm. that's the business, right. but it's so difficult to get it organized yeah. and, and sustain that organization because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't stop. It's like, it's, especially when you're dealing with like more rare timestamped things that people, that people yeah. want. I think that's the reason like my husband can't stop going and, you know, going to state sales and thrifting and stuff because he's like, well, what could be there, <laughs> you know? Or, yeah. And then like, when he sees it, it's like, well, you might not ever see the item again. So then he's like, oh, I found this. I have to get it. And so then I do feel like I get caught up. Like I was in a uh, participating auction two weeks ago and sold over half of the items I had in it. And I was like, oh, it feels so good. We're moving stuff out of here. And then like yeah. that next day, new things came in. And so mm-hmm. I just can't wait till we have a space. Yeah. I was just going to say that it's not run- in my basement. <laughs> maybe you should run a basement and <laughs> Yes. And build your list there, but then open to the public. Mm -hmm. There might be some basements by shelf life available. I'm just saying, just saying, maybe (laughs) open a little vintage shop. Yes. Well, that is, we have actually a big goal for Love the Green Life in general is to have a like education and wellness center. And as part of that, we would have a gift shop that would have local artisans like Pope Soaps. I know you know them. They're one and places like that, that also Mm -hmm share in our mission and they would be a part of it. And then I would have my vintage shop there. We'd have a cafe and be able to highlight other local uh, restaurants and stuff that, you Mm -hmm. know, cook sustainably and vegan and be able to have speakers and cooking Mm -hmm. classes and yoga workshops and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So that's, and we'll have, we already have like a grab and go lunch option in mind. We already have coffee, fresh, organic, beautifully made Ethiopian coffee in mind. Like we have so much planned for this space to be a new type of like community hub that's awesome. so we're really we're really we have big 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 dreams but I know we can totally resonate with just the amount of work it takes to collect used things <laughs> yeah. and to show them new life I know we can all resonate with that my children's book collection is massive the school I was in we were very much encouraged to have class like very robust classroom libraries. I had mothers going through thrift shops and dropping off books to me every Wednesday because they'd be able to drop their kids off and then like go in the morning for me because then you start being that person that has to be there at a certain time. I was at that level when it came to children's books. And then since we did project-based learning, I would need topic-specific children's literature constantly. Every 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 three months, every four months, I would need a million books on France. <laughs> or, um, on agriculture or on transportation, like just depending on whatever the kids are working on. So I totally know that we completely resonate with your business model. (laughs) Yeah. And those types of books specifically very subject-based, they can be difficult to find if you're sifting through used, which isn't a bad thing, but they tend to all come from one place. And if you are thrifting for them, it's most likely what you're going to see is like the same subject over and over. And that probably came from a household that was doing something like what you're doing as well. And then it's really scattered in between. 
So I'll mm -hmm. see some of those come in and, and then they'll sit there for a while until someone goes, oh, this is exactly what I needed, which is, it, it's kind of a cool thing, but it's, it can be kind of difficult too. If you're, if you're needing specifics all the time to find, which is why I think sustaining books and making them available is really important, but that's sort of, it's in the topic, but it's sort of an offset of that. Mm -hmm. So your children's book collection, you, do you feel like when you look at like, you're sort of preserving? There's definitely books that have emotional value and books that were not just from my childhood, but books that meant a lot to me in my career. And so, and then I feel like there's a lot of books that have a lot of connection to different, you know, stages of growing up that I feel like, oh, when this book hits my daughter when she's 10, yeah. man, just to have that. I feel like books are a conversation for me as a mother beyond, you know, just teaching and having kids books on topics. Okay. So you were talking about inventory. I probably am the hugest complainer of those apps that you can scan a barcode and it's supposed to inventory your literature. Yeah. So I have one for you that because, really well. and we give me the read the like either even Lexile reading level or yeah. oh, like DR yeah. DRA is a little bit more common now, but for a while, like you could generally get a Lexile level, but oh my gosh, whoever yeah. creates this app will be, will rule the educational world. <laughs> we'll rule the world. Yeah. Um, let me look at the app that I have and see if that's an option. I've been using one that for my needs is continuous scan. So like if I'm building a list just to email to people or, and this is sort of a, an, another note, this, the store has only stairs to go in and out. And so accessibility, because I wasn't planning for this to be a store accessibility is, is, a, oh, yeah. is a little bit of a concern. So I do um, virtual shelves, pe people that used to get the list, they really like it. And then this kind of also helps where I can do some curbside pickup as well. So sometimes people will go, can I, you know, can I see your biographies and I'll go through and, and I use this app to scan. And I'm just going to look really quick to see if it has that information. It's got a ton finding an app to inventory. And even for like my home, like I'm, I, you know, I still use Excel spreadsheet, but finding an app that you can actually barcode scan and then do like an ISBN search to still be able to add. They're annoying. I've gone mm -hmm. through so many and I have only found one that semi suits a light purpose at the store mm -hmm. for just letting people see what's there. It doesn't And even, that. and as an elementary teacher, children, they don't, for, they forget, they take it home. And of course I let them take it home. I know I probably lost hundreds and hundreds of books. Am I sad? No. Yeah. Off my gosh, a kid wanted a book so yeah. bad that they kept it. My job is done. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I constantly was looking for ways to just keep track of my books a little bit. Yeah. Because there were times when I had larger, larger class sizes, or like when I had, I had 65 students at one point in two different, in two separate buildings, school buildings wow. at one point. And it was like, I needed to remember what kids had so I could have quality discussions with them. And if they forgot wow. the book or that's in the, if they're at home, it's like, then I missed that connection point to talk to them. And that was really important to me to talk to the kids about their reading. I mean, hello, elementary, that's like big deal <laughs> is yeah. to talk about what they're reading to get interest in it. So I knew you'd be an expert on that at some point <laughs> of cataloging <laughs> I'm, because I'm that has been not. a little beast on my shoulder for, oh my gosh, my whole career. 
<laughs> so yeah, I, my expertise falls like this. Most don't work. That's as, yeah. uh, but the one that I do have, it's called bookshelf, which is okay. And it has that a, continuous scan option. Yeah. So it's not built to like suit every need. So if you would like, if you were to do like an Excel spreadsheet, you know, you can like tap at the bottom, you know, you could like copy paste something over into another tab and then start to separate out. And that gets kind of tedious. There's a similar option here. It's, it's a lot more visual, but you can continue to create other bookshelves. If you do have needs where like, if you've got somebody that's borrowing books and you have all of your inventory, like a hundred books on one, this is my whole inventory. You can build another shelf and go, this is what Danielle. Oh yeah. And build their individual and shelf. Just up. change the shelf. Yeah. Oh, that, so see, that's a, that's workable. It's still finding a way, but it's not made for that purpose, but no other way than for us to find these mm -hmm. like tricks. <laughs> I know it's the well, only way I know Jess and I, we chat a lot about it's, apps to help yeah. our sustainability and to help green up our lives. We have an episode on apps and I was so yeah. excited to talk to you because <laughs> um, of with just how you manage that thing. Cause I'm like, man, that would be an app that would change my life. And I know we have a lot of teachers and moms so, that build yeah. books and libraries for their kids. So I do get asked this question a lot and I feel like I should just be totally like upfront and expose myself <laughs> and maybe the question will stop getting asked. Cause I feel a little like a cheater. I don't have an inventory system at the store. And the reason is books move too quickly. It would actually cost me more in time to log everything. What might be beneficial to me is that I have a sort of maybe memory for book covers. So I see everything that goes on the shelf because I'm the one that's, you know, putting them up. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you know, someone will come in and they'll ask if I have a book and I'll look on my computer, but what I'm doing is Googling it to see the book jacket, see what it or, looks like. like all the, yeah, all the possible like publication covers. And then I'll know. And then the way that the store is organized also kind of helps because I can go right to a section, but the only time I have like actual inventory is if I use that shelf because somebody requests to see something, or mm -hmm. I'm trying to like liquidate, for example, cookbooks or, and I build a list and then email it out. I would be really interested in doing like a scan app. It's just that those don't really fit into the business model yet, mm -hmm. but if the store moves, that'll definitely be something I'll have to get down with for sure. Oh yeah. I know a lot of people would probably benefit by having things like that yeah. <laughs> just to help, yeah. you know, especially I'm thinking a lot of the listeners are going to be book people. Yeah. I hope, <laughs> I hope. And if you're not, I can help with that. <laughs> oh, Okay. So we both really resonate with you and what you want to do to help the community and provide really affordable and accessible reading materials. Can you share more about what you do with the community in that yeah. regard? Yeah. So I think I've, I've always really enjoyed learning about local nonprofits and different organizations that do different things in community. I feel like I'm in a position, if you're in a position where people come to you, it's really easy to start talking about whatever you want. And one of the things that I really want to talk about are work that people are doing for us, you know, for all of us, for different aspects of the community. So it's a little bit shameless. And I sort of, I, I guess I do like to exploit the position that I'm in to make up my own rules and talk about all different types of organizations and community efforts. In terms of literacy, Bright Star Books is a local 501c3 that is, they serve the greater Akron area. And I've known them for a few years. Uh, my wife and I had a, another small business in Cuyahoga Falls several years ago and worked with them then. 
it didn't fit into the model. We were electronic repair at the time. So it was kind of strange. We tried to do a lot of this community outreach with that business. It fits a lot more in a bookstore. So many more things fit in a bookstore. It's kind of strange. But in terms of literacy outreach, Bright Star Books is a huge one. They kind of after my own like heart with their mission, which is to provide children with age-appropriate and reading-level-appropriate books. And these would be children that literally may otherwise not have books. So they provide books for free that they get sometimes used, new, very good condition books. And then they do, they have like, kids can go to like through a different organization like WIC or uh, sometimes shelters, uh, small community schools. Um, And then they come and they pick up like a bag of books And that kind of effort is something that I try to duplicate at the store. So um, I like to have that conversation with people. They have a bigger reach in terms of being a nonprofit. So like the kind of the only way that you're going to be able to come in and get, you know, just a free book for me would be, you have to kind of come into the store. Otherwise I, I don't know that you're out there, but they, you know, we're kind of working on two different models. So they definitely are, they have a broader base for community outreach in that way. I don't know if that really answered the question. I think I got a little bit so far into Bright Star Books and so excited about them that I forgot. Well, no, they're a, I mean, thank you so much for sharing about them. I see that they're based out of Akron, Ohio, which has a a community of need where a lot of, I think it's over like 60% of the homes of their children that don't have books. So for them to be able to provide those and provide those early literacy moments for these kids and their families is just, it's life-changing. That's beautiful. It makes me excited. It gives me a way to donate. I mean, my goodness, so many of my books, I'm constantly dropping them off at like the free, we have free little libraries all over my yeah. community that we, my kids drop and trade, or I try to give them to friends and family, but this is amazing. What a great way for teachers too. If you're yeah. retiring or if you're moving, cleaning out classrooms, way for you to donate your gently used really high quality educational books on those Absolutely. topics that are hard to find. That's perfect. I'm so glad you told me about this. <laughs> yeah. They, something that I've experienced and like the little free libraries, like I talk we have one down the street from my house and I like to tuck children's books in it. It's right outside of a church that has youth groups. And I think they have a daycare because I'm always kind of hearing squealing and happy kids running around inside when I'm stuffing some books in there. But one of the really important things is for a child to pick out their own book. Mm-hmm. That's like, it's half the process of getting a child to read. So anywhere that a, a kid can go, if it's like a little free library, or if it's like one of the bright Starbucks functions, if it's a bookstore, but the, the more places that we have, and we can spread these books out, the more likely we're, we're able to see childhood literacy increase. Part of bridging that gap too, is making sure that parents and, and guardians know that these things are available. And so that's, you would just keep talking about it. You know, it's an unfortunate high number of kids that don't own their own books. And that really applies to readership and that applies to how well they do in school and how approach their own lives as they get older. And probably one of the most painful things when you think about if a kid doesn't have a book or any books, what happens like later on in life? I can't imagine not having books when I was a kid. You know, we didn't really have a lot of money, but I just can't imagine not having books and not having access to books and access to my school library. If we, you know, without that access, we lose a lot of things, like, especially in terms of creativity and learning processes. And that's a big one. That's a huge, huge one. It's probably the most important thing because it affects every other industry. We don't really think about it like that, but reading is everything that we do in life. One of the things that I'm really trying to do in in the bookstore community involves a lot of other things, you know, including like childhood literacy, which embeds in just about 
you know, every aspect of life, but th there's so much local effort for community growth. And it seems really tireless. Like people have, like you have this idea for sustainability and talking about things that are really important for people to know little tweaks that they can do in their daily life to be more environment friendly or, you know, healthy. We always have like these ideas and there's so many people doing this work and, and this effort. And a lot of it, um, unknown it's unseen and that's unfortunate and we in a stream of like data that is just we're in flux all the time with ads and so much information out there to read and go through to find something mm -hmm. and then a lot of times like if you were to google something you know where do i donate winter hats what you're probably going to see in a google stream is algorithm based and it's most likely going to be a great big community organization but that gets a lot of government funding and there's a lot of other people doing this work and they're going out and they're right in front of somebody that that's your direct connection to something that you might be really passionate about. If it's, you want to, you know, help people that need clothes in the winter. If you, you know, want to give money to an animal organization, what are the ones that really are doing like local ground foot work, a little bit more grassroots that you can connect directly with to like your locale. So that's, I'm always interested in local, small, five, like actual 501c3s that are organized and doing a lot of that various work. So everything is moving very quick at the store. And I have all of these ideas. And one of the things that I wanted to do for 2022 is to do a donation drive every month for local 501c3 that fit with like strong community ethics. It's a little bit more difficult to organize with individual nonprofits because they are so busy doing all of that work. So we're going to, I'm going to try that for 2023, but this year I have some things that are going on that are beyond literacy. I love closet of caring and the work that Kim Stemmel does. She's amazing. And she's also a yes person. She's, this is like her full-time work. We just had a donation drive with CADA, which is center for um, applied drama and autism all of these things seem like it doesn't really fit in with the store, but to me it does because it's when people come in, they like the idea of thrift shopping and they like the idea of learning and, and self-education. And part of that is like, this is a community-based store. That's, that's mm -hmm. my mission. And if somebody has an interest in animals, they come in and they're, they're there, you know, during a drive for, for the love of primates, they learn about like how are primates protected, you know, with local laws and all of these things are happening all around us all the time. We don't really know it. Um, we don't know what's here. And so that's, as far as like community outreach, it's so much of it for me is books, but a lot of it also is beyond books. These people are just right here, you know, and we have access to anything that might interest you is absolutely available. Somebody is really trying to do that work already. And it's so easy to connect if we know that they're there. Danielle, I think what you just beautifully described was exactly why Love the Green Life has made such a focus on community and local businesses this year, because these small businesses like Shelf Life and um, all the other really amazing men and women we've interviewed this year have had this extra spark in them. Um, and I think that's a spark of a small business and that's, you're not just there to do your 
I'm not just there to sell you a product and have you leave my parking lot. You want to enrich somebody's life and you are there to connect with the life of the community and become part of that fiber that holds community together. And I agree with you, like after these tough years that we've had as a planet and as a small community, I mean, Northeast Ohio is very diverse. We have a lot of need in our, in our local, in our localities and What's amazing is we have a lot of helping, a lot of yes people in Northeast Ohio in particular. And I agree with you. We have this tireless spark to help, 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 because I think a lot of us saw that in older generations. And then we've seen how tragedy and plague (laughs) can make community mean more important than ever and be really need to be strengthened. So I'm really excited to hear about your interests and your efforts. Um, I've definitely heard of the closet organization you speak of. Maybe you can talk a little bit just about that really quick, just what they do there. And as well as um, what was the other one you mentioned? For the love of primates or Kata. So closet of caring is, I think she started with the initiative of trying to feed people that needed meals and uh, also I think built, and I can't speak directly for it because I don't really know necessarily in what order, but she started taking clothes to meal distributions. And now she's just honestly, like she's all over the place. She just did a tampon drive for domestic violence project, which I think is awesome. She did a back to school drive last year for the local community. And this was she doesn't ask questions. She doesn't ask you about your need. You don't have to come. And there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with voucher programs. But what Kim tries to do is, I think, spread it out so that you don't have to prove a need. If you're there, you can have whatever she has available for you. And that's, I've had the privilege of, of meeting and talking in depth with Kim. So I just, I love to like kind of piggyback on whatever she's doing. And if I have the space to like, you know, bring things in, she does all of this big work. So at the store, I have a bin, I have a, a crate where it shifts. Most of the time it's uh, for, she calls them blessing bags and they're toiletry needed items. I switched that over from like December to February for small warm clothes items like socks and hats. And now we're back to toiletry items, hygiene items that people need so that she's actually always like her presence is always right outside the shelf life store so people can bring things by and then you know we exchange so it's more of a collection point for her Mm -hmm. absolutely someone to look into and she's if she's listening to this she's (laughs) she may laugh because I feel like she's very um doesn't like to take no for an answer so she's very stubborn and Mm -hmm. her she is one of those people that I she's a prime example of why because the work that she does she spends a lot of time and this is time and energy and that's money and that's it becomes personal, it becomes emotional, it becomes mental. And she's doing, you know, these things for so many other people. And you don't know if she's there until you know, she's there. And that's the point. I'm so glad Um, you shared that. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Thank you. And so if, so that's a good person to check out the closet of caring and that you're a drop-off point at different points of the year for different items um, for the organization. Again, you know, Local businesses definitely <laughs> have the ability to, st- to stretch their reach for more yeah. than just what yeah. they're listed as. <laughs> totally. There's, I'm um, so glad. 
there are a few uh, organizations that I look into from time to time on a more of like a business um, point. And one of them is uh, just like a, a hub for information on like literacy world. And they do like during like small business efforts, they shine some light and they threw up some statistics a couple of months ago. And, and one of them that was just really jaw dropping was that small businesses give back to their local community at two times the rate as big box chains. That's very, very difficult to quantify unless you're a, you know, a small business owner. And I've had this conversation with so many other small business owners. Like we have smaller spaces. We have definitely, our revenue is pinpoints. So we can't compare to large chains and large chains tend to give back to more well-known organizations. And that's great too. Everything serves a purpose, but like knowing that small business community engagement is there and it's expected People really expect that when they go into a small business and the expectations on small businesses aren't necessarily balanced with the expectations of large businesses. So I resonate with a lot of other small business owners in, the, in that like the efforts that we do matter because that's it's our authentic self that we're trying to show you. And these are the things that are really important to us. It, downtown Calga Falls especially uh, has changed so much from when I grew up there. I have in approaching other businesses and like, Hey, I have this idea. Do you want to do this? Everyone's always, yes, yes, yes. How can I help? What can we do? What do you need? How do we help each other? That's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. That's such a big deal. And, and so when people come in and they buy things from small businesses, they're essentially also holding space for and making those things more progressively available. Those mm-hmm. other closet of caring is there because somebody came in and bought books and that's just how it goes together. And so you having this podcast with small businesses and shining a light on it, we need that. It's such a great thing. And it, it's never been, and like you said, the last couple of years, we're seeing also like the push for shop local, shop small, spend your money at small businesses. There's that other thing of how do you, how do you know what's there if we're not talking about it? Mm-hmm. So these are the, the best ways, exposure. This is yeah. so good. I'm so yeah. glad that we like, I think this is definitely like a really good, this is morphed into a really good, like <laughs> why local small business have value. <laughs> good. Yes. Yay. This is morphed in such a cool conversation, I think. So not only are you giving us such good ways for people to um, help and to offload their their obsessions and hobbies and you yeah. know, a way to give back to the thrift world <laughs> in a way yeah. that helps others. But I love that you're sharing all these other bonus, I'm going to call them bonus community organizations too, that are doing some really good change in the community. I'm so glad you talked about this. Yay. Thank you. This is so great. Thanks for giving me space to talk about it. I appreciate this very much. All right. So we need, we can pause for a little fun quiz question. Okay. What's your favorite green book? <laughs> it's not a green book, but I can't put anything else in this place. It is one of my favorite books and it was definitely a game changer for me about, especially in terms of the way that I view people, the way that I view the world, the way that I view the way that I walk through the world, which is really important, especially if we're talking about the world, which we, we kind of are like, this is our home. And we have, you know, we're stewards here and we have a responsibility to take care of it. It's a fiction. It's called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. And it is not necessarily a book about environmentalism. Um, I know this book. Have you read it? 
I have not read it. I participated in the Global Read Aloud with my classes every year. Okay. And a lot of times I would just look and see what they were suggesting for the books for the older grades, just to see what was up and coming in young adult literature, because I taught at the time third and fourth grade, but I had higher readers that could handle some older topics sometimes. So I remember learning about it. (laughs) It's so good. So it's, there are three characters in the book, but two consistent characters. It's a man and a gorilla. And the gorilla has a conversation with the man and the gorilla tries to explain to the man, this is our current state of living. This is how we got here. And here's what we did wrong. And it's 100% about viewpoint, about the way that we see the world. So he divides people into two categories, takers or leavers. He goes through a very long, true, like anthropological history of humankind and how we started to diversify what we felt were needs. These things, it was more necessity versus nurture versus want versus take versus the overabundance of things, having too many material things. And it's really like the great descent of man. And it gets a little scary because it, in parts of the book, you start to feel like it's too late. I don't think that anything is ever too late as long as we maintain the ability to change your mind. And I think that's what Daniel Quinn set out to do when he wrote Ishmael. But it's a generalization of how we live. And that generalization is important when we start talking about the environment, how we treat things. Every little thing is is really important. Recycling, reusing things, not wasting things. Like don't, you know, please take your food home from a restaurant and eat it. Don't food waste is such a big deal. And we we take these liberties. I didn't really like it. I don't want it. We throw a lot of food away. It's all of these little pieces into a really great big situation that we're in. And it's, it takes a whole new ideology to like embrace change and make all of these things start to work together and really kind of pull us out of this big slump that we're in. And so that's a book I would recommend. It's without statistic. It's kind of timeless, unfortunately. Some things we don't want to be timeless, but this is probably one of them, at least for now. But uh, that was I a think that would be a beautiful book recommendation and yeah. review. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a good book. I've read it a few times. Every time I read it, I glean something different. I become, my perspective gets sharper or maybe it softens a little bit where it needs to. But every time I walk away from it, I always think like I need to, I need to do better. I need to watch I need to watch the way I'm walking, you know, and not just your carbon footprint, but in general, like Mm -hmm. how can I help the place that helps me in a sense? Last year we did on the podcast, a like go green literature series. And we did children's books. We did adult books. And then we did like documentaries and family films. And I was just thinking, as you're talking about this, that I love that you went to a nonfiction because Natalie and I met to record. We both had massive bags filled with books that we just like tossed out. We just like, we (laughs) met together at, um, we recorded at the dance, uh, the dance studio, I believe. Yeah. Where I, where I worked, where you worked at the time. And we're just like hauling these books in and (laughs) we were just like, you couldn't even see us at the front desk. There was just books all around (laughs) Oh, and then we had to like narrow it down because we're like, 
Okay. This is going to be like a five hour episode of us just talking about, but I really love this one. (laughs) I know. But if you're wondering what our favorite books were, you can jump back to those literature episodes. (laughs) Okay. Um, shout out to Peter Brown and the wild robot, as well as the wild robot escapes. I think it is the most beautiful chapter book. Um, it's there's two in the series for children, about technology and the environment it's like i think the review said it's like hatchet meets wally it's oh wow cool. it's incredible you danielle have you read the wild robot have you heard no. of this no <gasps> and i haven't seen it come through so i just wrote it down the wild <laughs> robot you okay. will get it done you will personally cry so just be prepared oh thank you for letting me know <laughs> just, all right I, okay um yeah. but it'll be it ends up being okay my class read the first one and then I looped with that group and then they literally, I had to visually show them that I had it pre-ordered and that it would be in to our classroom by the time spring or by the time they came back from winter break. Cause they were like, we need more. Like, if you don't get this the first day we can get this, you're in trouble teach. <laughs> like you're in I love trouble. That. We're not going to be well. That so, and, um, so cool. my class, my class, we, I think we even abandoned, I think we were reading, we were reading another book at the time and they were like, we don't care. We don't care. We yeah. got to know about Roz, which is the robot. So okay. um, shout out yeah. since we're going to share like our top green books of all time. There's my, and you fiction. do, you talk a lot about that in the kids episode. Oh, I'm a, yep. Yeah. So I'm sorry. that was I one thing about it. That's why we have whole oh, episodes. On yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say though that our for our adult literature that we oh yeah did, share like your everything, favorite your top adult one. Well, I was just going to say though that everything we did was it was nonfiction and it was you know, very statistical and it was like people we liked and scientists that are in and doctors that are in the field of plant based and whole foods and environmental stuff and you know we talked a lot about that. And so I thought it was cool that we are talking about a book that does not follow the same. Yeah, that no, just, that's really you know, good. Too. I, I get books that come in and they're dated. They'll actually have like a year on it. Like the annual world report of 1993 that mm-hmm. sat on my shelf for nobody cares anymore because it was 1993 and so much has changed. Mm-hmm. And so approach to a lot of statistical things are, we have to know what's going on right now, step mm-hmm. by step these things are really incredibly important. Mm-hmm. You have to decide how you want to think about those things first. Yep. And that's kind of Ishmael is, I think I've really wanted to talk about Ishmael because that's a way for you to go. I'm interested now in what I can do in my personal sphere to move forward by treating this place the way it should be treated. But you have to get into your own ideology on the way that you view the environment and the way that you view the planet and your home, because that's what this is. And we have a cultural statement that says everything is disposable. It doesn't matter. Every, do you think one foot outside of yourself and then that's it. And that it's really important to kind of shift that cultural perspective into one that says, wait a minute, I'm directly connected to this place that is providing me a home without this place. What do I have? And then you move forward with okay, what can I do right now? What's happening right now? What are the needs right now? And that's where a lot of that other stuff comes in. But I don't know if that's, I think we have to find it in like your own mind of the mm-hmm. way that you want to approach things. Mm-hmm. And then there's just so much information that's out there that we could just gobble up and 
go, this is really easy for me to do. I can just start recycling right now. Where can I take my grocery bags? Akron doesn't recycle glass anymore. Where can I find that? But you have to want, and you have to kind of build your mindset around it, I think. Well, that's one thing when I was a kid, what really put me on this journey of what I'm doing now was I got a book in fifth grade. So this is mid nineties. It was called 500 ways to save our planet. And I carried that mm. book with me everywhere. I, went. <laughs> I love it. And I was just into it. I was probably the only like fifth grader who was like all into the environment. I was into like healthy eating and all this stuff. And I mean, a lot of it had to do with my mom. My mom was a firefighter when I was younger. She was a bodybuilder. So I grew up with with health and wellness, you know, at the forefront when it wasn't as like trendy of a thing to do. And I just glommed onto it. And I was just very into saving the environment. And it kind of was something that always stuck with me and just evolved. And now I'm very lucky to be able to be doing this at this level and hopefully growing it even more to be able to really help other people. And like you had said, doing really easy swaps, once you're interested in doing it, that's our whole mission is a lot of people think there's no point in doing this because it's too expensive or it's too hard or it's time consuming. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. Yeah. And so that's our whole purpose is to share how you can very easily mm-hmm. make swaps that are budget friendly, that are easy to do, even if you have a really busy life and a family and kids and how to do that with kids. That's one thing mm-hmm. we share a lot about. Natalie and I both have very young kids and mm-hmm. we share things, how to do that with them and how good that is for them, mm-hmm. you know, to learn these things at a young age and how to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, one of our biggest goals is to be able to help people understand that you can make a change and it doesn't have to be this big, hard thing that you might think it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many fun, like tips and tricks too. Once you do like this one thing, like if you actually, if you've ever had to travel to recycle, like before we had recycle bins set up or like I used to live in a city that you'd have to do it. It seems so tedious until the action happens. And then you're like, well, what else can I do? You start to feel so good Mm -hmm. about small movements. And there are people that really kind of, there's a whole set of propaganda that sort of gets in the way and says, yeah, that doesn't really matter. It absolutely does. Mm -hmm. It absolutely does because it, it matters. It's the way you start to approach life. If you feel better about this action, you'll start to feel better about these other actions and guess what? They're all connected. You know, they, you it becomes like the way that you move through your day and then you're more open to bigger steps. Mm-hmm. You bigger steps will, you'll learn about them. They'll come to you. You'll meet somebody that'll say, Oh, do you like to, I have a friend that like, she is all about this. I met her from, for the love of primates. She could do a one a day with me easily. And it's like things I've never heard about. Like you know, companies that will do home composting for you. And it doesn't smell like, you know, it's all these, all of these areas that you can make small changes and, Mm -hmm. and they matter in huge ways. I hope that everybody who is listening realizes that women like Danielle are down the street selling books. (laughs) <laughs> and you can go talk to her. Can you, oh my gosh, you're, you're talking about your friend that could just like talk, give you one a day. 
I could chat with you yeah. and we, could, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what a wonderful addition to your life is, I think it's a great way for everybody to hear. You could do these little small things. I used to drive to drop off recycling all the time as well. I mean, I was college student. We would try to load up, you know, bins and things and swap. And I was climbing through trash bins, taking furniture. Um, <laughs> yeah. When the unit, because very conveniently, the university was tearing down buildings and leaving furniture. Um, oh yeah. Very conveniently over a long weekend of like dressers and chest of drawers and desks, the university wasn't going to purchase the pickup until four days later. You see yeah. how they do this? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And, and I, am- those, that's something very small that the university I know did. Yeah. That was like, see, they're thinking. <laughs> yeah. And then, and that's, there's such a stigma on thrifting. Yes. I don't, I don't even like the term secondhand. I like, I really like to call things second life because I feel like oh, there's good. not a reason. Like if you can give me a valid reason and just like it's ooey is not a valid reason for something to wind up in a landfill. Yep. And a lot of times even a recycle bin like that, I, all the time, that book has readability left. We're going to keep trying to get it to go somewhere. Furniture mm-hmm. is, furniture is a big one. And, you know, maybe there's some like safety concern, but you you can gauge when you see something like on no universities that I've heard that they, that they do this. And sometimes like, if you know a professor, they'll give you a heads up and you can go and get a new desk or eat different furniture. Take advantage of that. That's it's free. It should be free. And it, it's just a way to slow the overuse of things, production of cheaply made, whatever. And it's widely effective to be okay with thrifting, reuse, especially reusing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid of those things. I like that you called them. You let's see, just calls them vintage treasures. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I like vintage, <laughs> vintage treasures. treasures. And then yeah. you call them second life, second life. Yeah. Second life. I'm liking this. Yeah. <laughs> now I got to roll around. Our green team <laughs> will start thinking of some more yeah. of ways to call things. <laughs> Like I have shelf life as a used bookstore and for a lot of reasons it's classified, like it's legally classified as a used bookstore. So like, I don't sell new books, even if new books come in, they're still under the guise of their used book because I didn't buy directly from publisher. If Mm -hmm. I didn't have to say, like, if I didn't have to classify shelf life as a used bookstore, it would, it would be like second life bookstore that that's all of these books. I would just call them second life, but to avoid you know, potential legal problems, you know, they're used books. That's boring. (laughs) It's not, it's not so ugly a term. It's just boring. They're second life books. You know, I understand. There's only so many ways to say eco-conscious sustainability green. (laughs) I know. Yeah. It's like, can we have another word that is just a little, can we like step up a level? Like what would they use in jeopardy? Oh, like, (laughs) yeah. We need like a strong, like beautiful, eloquent term that they would use. I don't know. I always go Marie Antoinette with things. We need a very beautiful word. And I just feel like sometimes those words aren't pretty enough. I'll, They're not I'll fancy get back enough to you for on me. That one. I'll get back to you on that one. I know a couple of people that are good with words. <laughs> we'll come up with something for sure. To make it just sound beautiful. Danielle, this was a joy. Thank yeah. you. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was, this brightened my whole week. Oh, I feel, yay. you know, it's <laughs> when you, when you align with people that share like passion and ethics, mm-hmm. it brings you back up to where you need to be to keep yep. going and doing your work. So this was, this was actually, as a super busy week for me. This is probably the best way for me to start it. I feel very connected and grounded and, oh, and ready to do some stuff. Oh, us yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. But thank you so much. Yay. Thanks for listening to the show. We would love for you to follow us, leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Your support will help our nonprofit be able to do more good in the world. See you next time.